Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And let me add uh, my colleague to the show. What's happening, Neil? How are you? Nothing. You started a minute early. Don't tell me I wasn't on time. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, too. <laughs> you did? Okay. Why am I well. so much closer today? Oh, well, we get to see your, uh, I think it's the, uh, there it is. Oh, there we go. That's <laughs> if, you know, we wanted to get your beautiful mug. Yeah. Um, no, you we didn't. wanted to get your beautiful mug. But listen, welcome to another episode of the New Standard, a Steeler podcast for Steeler Nation, as always. Joining me is my co-host, Neil Kulong. And if you want to find the show, you can find it on all podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, so on and so forth. You'll find the show there. Just do a search for the new standard. You can also find the show on YouTube. Do a search for the new standard, Lance Williams or Neil Kulong. When you get to YouTube, make sure you subscribe and you like the shows. we got about 10 previous shows. Make sure you check those as well and give us a like and a listen on those. Quick programming note, there will be no new show next weekend. I think me and Neil are going to take some much-needed R&R for Memorial Day weekend. I hope all of you travel to see your loved ones, and hopefully you do it safely in this particular uh, time in the country with the pandemic going on. Hopefully everyone can see uh, their loved ones on that weekend. It'll be the first time that I'll be able to see my mom for the last probably about 18 months um, due to the pandemic, so I'm pretty excited about that. What's going on with you, Neil? You know, I just finished a, a ton of yard work that I got up at about 6 a.m. to do before the, the heat in the Pittsburgh area that's coming through this weekend uh, descended upon the area. And I'm not done, so I'm going to end up having to be out in the heat anyway, but most of it is done. Um, and I rushed back in here to shower all of the dirt off of myself before joining you fine people to talk some Steelers football. So this is a much needed break. It's uh, It's getting warm. So we get sexy, Neil. The, the, the Neil that's uh, freshly quaffed. <laughs> not sure where that is, but fresh as a daisy. We get uh, a sexy, Neil. One thing before we hop into the program, we're going to talk about what are the Steelers' biggest needs in a rebuild. But before we do that, I wanted to just make a comment on one of the comments that we got in the show, and and the comment was about last week's show when we gave our uh, our predictions for the season. I think we were both at 7-11 and 11. Um, but I think we got there different ways with different games. I'm not certain. And the comment was, you guys give us a lot of hope about next season. And I just wanted to say, you should not be getting hope from us, right? Um, <laughs> Dealing that out, you know. Easily. You know where exactly it, it's. If you want to draw hope for the season, just look at what the Steelers are doing and draw your own conclusions. You know what we give you is just our perspective, and, and that's all. I mean, the way we see it from our viewpoint, um, you know, we see it as a seven eleven team. We see a team in transition. And so I want to transition to you, Neil, because we're talking about what are the priorities in the rebuild? Are the Steelers in a rebuild? Uh, simply put, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's another way to put it. The, the amount of players that they let walk slash weren't able to sign, uh, the players that they drafted as, as really being plug-and-play guys at positions of not – generally speaking, not high-end value uh, for a team. These are the players they needed to have to, to step in right away. And I'm not saying that they're bad. I think Najee Harris is going to be a great player. Um, other people are sold on Fryermuth more than I am. I think Green's going to be a pretty good player. These are not likely to be all pro-level guys. And that, that's not a knock against them at all. All of them are far more necessary than they are talented, if that makes sense. I think they're they're decent players. Um, they have some value, but these are players that you need to have to, to build up a better core of a team. They don't have a core of a team. They only have 30 guys signed for next year. Um, their roster isn't even complete for this year. They are literally rebuilding the team. And I, the, the fact that that even gets argued among people surprises me. I, I don't understand how else it could be argued. Um, ben coming back is is more than anything uh, about his, his salary cap position. 
not his desire to win one more title. They're nowhere close to a title contending team this year. They're going to tell you that that's not the case, but I don't think there's a year they've ever said that they weren't a title contending team. It's not going to be this season. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think at some point you have to turn the car around to get it going forward again. And that's where they are. Most people complain about how the Ravens or the Browns are passing them by. It's like, well, it won. The Browns have been at the bottom for I don't know how long. That's not even worth talking about. They finally get things right and do things the right way. You're right. They have a good team. Baltimore missed the playoffs three years in a row. They drafted seven overall not that long ago. They had a downtime. I don't know why we forget about this, but they weren't a great team not that long ago. Um, You have to do these things in order to continue uh, the level of success that you're able to have. The Steelers have been ben- have been greatly benefited by the fact for the better part of two decades they've had an All Pro level quarterback. Exactly. They don't they don't have that anymore. They need to find another one. Hopefully for for them it doesn't take as long as as the time between uh, the end of Bradshaw and the start of Ben. But I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. They might get decent play out of Ben this year. That's that's the best outlook that you can get. They're rebuilding everything else around them. That's why they have a completely new offensive line. On top of that, Lance, you know, you know, it's one thing that people don't seem to remember about this. Every coach on that staff, with the exception of Tomlin and Keith Butler, are first or second year. Right. They've known this was coming. This has been their plan for a while. They needed to shift into something else, and it, it, that's obviously what's going on. I don't. Th- I don't think that's a bad thing. Okay, they they can have a little bit of a down year. It happens to everybody. There's a reason why the Steelers have not winning the you know championship year in and year out. They are the team that has by far and away the longest streak of seasons above at or above 500. The I think theirs is what 17 now. Seattle is second with nine. All right, they're, they're, that's a long gap between the two. And Seattle has arguably had a better team over over that stretch of time. They they. They came far closer to winning their second title than the Steelers did, uh, winning their third. So, all right, fine. Give give that to Pittsburgh. But by and large, Seattle has not been a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. And they're probably not going to be bad this year either. So at, at some point, though, you need to kind of get things moving again. And I think that's where Pittsburgh is now. And the interesting thing I think you said is that, is that gap between Bradshaw and Roethlisberger. I mean, I'm of the age where I remember that very vividly and very clearly. Um, you know, Steeler Nation is, you know, very mixed, very diverse, very big. And demographically, there is a large segment of Steeler Nation, you know, similarly to that team up north that, you know, typically, you know, we don't like on this particular podcast, where you have a, a generation of Steeler fans that don't know bad times. You have a you have a, a large number of Steeler fans that had only, you know, they only remember Cower and they remember Tomlin. And they only remember winning. So I don't think rebuilding is a bad thing. At some point, you have to do it. And it's called sexy tanking. And they could be somewhat successful this year. And I don't want people to get to misinterpret where they are and where they're going. But they could be successful this year. And that's fine. But I, I think the things that you pointed out, it's pretty clear. The rebuild is, it, it, it is happening and it's starting. And, you know, the last thing I want to jump into real quick before we jump into the first question about, you know, the priorities of the rebuild is, will Ben play for another team? I just want to throw this out real quick. Yeah, I don't think. Throw it out and throw it away. (laughs) Throw it out and throw it away. Okay, that's it. So let's say so. Ben plays pretty well this year. I don't think he's going to be a Steeler again. I think the, the Rooney's will make that tough decision if he plays pretty well and wants to come back. I think they'll make that tough decision that, you know, we're committed to the rebuild and we're going to move forward. We did what we had to do for this year. Can you see him suiting up in another team? No, I can't. I I don't. I don't. don't. Ben is the one who said he wanted to play through this year. I mean, I I don't know why people forget that. (laughs) He, he, He set a date on this. He said this was going to be his last season. Because we haven't entered into the pomp and circumstances of a farewell tour does not mean that that's not clearly what's happening here. Um, his game is deteriorating. He's made a lot of money. It's Lots not as money. if the, it, it's not as if this team is is on the on the the verge of greatness, and an average season from him is going to get them to a championship. Um, I don't see why he would want to come around for one more season. And the team, from a financial perspective as well as as, as a roster-building perspective, they need to move on. 
Uh, they they have to get cheap at that position because despite the the, the constant uh, conversations of this in social media, the Steelers' salary cap position is not that great next year. I'm not saying it's bad. It's not nearly as fantastic as everyone's making it out to be. You don't have T.J. Watt signed. You're you're on the fence with whoever your second tackle is going to be, right or left. Whether that Zach Banner joining somebody at left tackle at, at left or right tackle, you don't know who that's going to be. Um, you have one cornerback signed outside of of guys on rookie contracts. Those are expensive positions, and you and don't Minka. have that. And and, 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 and Minka, you got to pay Minka at some point too, right? I mean, you probably want to do that. He's on the hook for ten million next year. An extension for him isn't lowering that cap number much. Uh, it's going to be the same for Watt. Watt's salary cap number, almost any way they slice this, is going to be probably seventeen, eighteen million dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be so, north of seventeen. It, it, whatever figure you want to look at to determine where they are on next year's salary cap, it's not that they're in a bad position. It's that they don't have anybody signed. They they have a lot of holes that they need to fill. And all of that is assuming, unless, Lance, you're excited for, for the inevitable Mason Rudolph versus Dwayne Haskins quarterback battle next year, they're, they're weak at, at the best position in the game. So salary cap space, I mean, it's nice and all. Um, they, they're going to need to sign a starter or two probably next year, and they, they're going to be able to afford to do that. It's They're not bringing in a bunch of high-level guys. They need, to, they need to ace this draft, which, as we've talked about, I think they did a pretty good job filling the holes that they needed to fill immediately in the future. And next year, they need to ace that draft as well. They need to bring in another three, four starters within a year or two uh, in, in order to, to rebuild the depth of the team that they no longer have. So – the salary cap's not working in their favor all that much, considering the likelihood of it being around 210 million, which I think is a fair estimate. Uh, where we sit today could be more, but where we sit today uh, is probably going to be around that mark, which is a substantial increase, but it's not all that high in comparison to where it was going in 2019. They lost a year, so all things considered, I think they're not able to just say everything's going to be fine next year that, that you're really going to feel the pain of that rebuild next year when you're going into that season and still having question marks about who's doing what. And that's with a fairly even to rosy uh, outlook for what the team is going to be like this season. Let's jump right into this show. Let's ask the first question. So we've determined that we both feel that the Steelers in a rebuild. So let me toss this to you, Neil, who should define the football or positional priorities for this team in terms of the rebuild who should define that should it come from ownership should it come from the coaching staff should it be a collaboration of the two who should define what the priorities are from a positional standpoint for me um and this is kind of an old school approach but for me um the 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 general direction is your owners to decide if your owner is very much a football guy there are owners who aren't and they, they kind of cede that direction to, to somebody else in the Steelers case I think uh, Art Rooney too is is active enough to say the 25,000 foot level this is what we want the Rooneys are known for kind of jumping in and, and insisting that they do this or that or the other thing but Typically, they're, they're about as, as hands-on, I think, as an owner should be. Uh, but the nuts and bolts of it, the grass-level stuff, is uh, philosophical choices made by your general manager. You're, you're paying the general manager to be in charge of the operation. They're laying the, the vision out. They're working with the head coach um, in a cooperative way uh, to, to find the talent that they need to achieve certain philosophical goals. They want to run the ball. So we need this, 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 and this, they want to be able to throw in this situation. So they want this, this, and this, uh, all of those things to me are, are general manager questions. And, and, uh, I think and we've, we've spoken about this often, the fact that both Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin got extensions well ahead of when they would normally, the team would normally announce that they're getting them in my opinion is saying along with, this is what we want to do philosophically we feel that mike is our guy we feel that kevin is our guy uh we want to go in this direction so we're going to give you an extension here are your marching orders go figure out how to do these things that's what we want we're giving you the job security uh that, that i feel that you've earned and with that um we want to do this we have to rebuild that i don't want to spend more than this this year i'll spend more in this season but not this one all those things are hashed out between them collectively i think but generally speaking um it, simply put it, it's the general manager's job to determine what the best way to go is and it's the head coach's job to assist in finding the players to fit that philosophy and then coach them to that philosophy. 
You know, from my perspective, I don't I don't disagree. I, I think if you're signing the checks, you can set the vision. I think the vision has to start with we want to win consistently. Then you go to step two. How do we do that? And I, I think where the owner comes in is what is the philosophy of our football team that's going to do give us the best chance and best opportunity to win? And as long as there is a collaborative approach and open communication between the levels of ownership, GM and coach, I'm cool with that. But I think you said an important thing. I think it depends on the competency of the ownership group. There are ownership groups that merely should just sign the checks where a football team is merely a trophy for them. It's a sign of we've achieved generational wealth. This is our trophy Having a football team says we've arrived and we're in a certain class. A well, la, I, I don't Daniel know about Snyder. that. I mean, it, if if it was me, if I owned a team, what I would say is I like to think I know a lot about this, but I have the money and the resources to hire people who really know a lot about it. Right. And I'm going to cede to them on this. There are owners who are like that. I understand exactly what you're saying. and that, that, that definitely exists. Ego. Although I don't think as much in the NFL as in some other sports. But it is, as far as understanding – um, the the roles of everybody there that is up to the owner. Jimmy Haslam is the guy I was thinking of, uh, probably above anything else, and he destroyed that franchise for the better part of fifteen years. It wasn't until he backed away when he couldn't find a head coach or a general manager who wanted to work with him anymore because of of his desire to interject what he thinks is football knowledge to everything. They didn't go anywhere, and now they are because they're making smart decisions and they had a boatload of capital stored up because they never used any of it because they made bad decisions all the time. So it, it, there are owners who can add to that. Uh, it's fun to rip on Jerry Jones. We always do. Jerry Jones isn't stupid. He understands how to run a team. He he gets that to to a certain level. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying that he's the greatest thing that, that the game has ever seen, but uh, he has made himself the general manager of his team. That's the role that he takes on for himself, and he does a reasonable job of it. There are worse general managers every single year. He's outlasted all of them, probably because he's no, his own boss. But it, yes. I, I think there are owners who back away intentionally because they hire people to do those things and hold them accountable to the results, which is very black and white, very simple. Um, you'd be smart to do that in a lot of cases. Um, there are some who probably exert too much of themselves thinking their success or their inherited wealth. Those things give them the ability to say, we can do this, we can do that. I, I think the, the best and the most successful combinations of owners and general managers tend to be the ones where they know their roles and they, they yes. work and operate within them um, to the expectations that we probably don't fully know about. Um, it, it, we see, though, top to bottom, there are failures of expectations and there are you know things that just don't work. Um, it's not always a bad thing for, for a general manager to get fired. Sometimes it's just... We got to go a different way. I'm I'm gonna find somebody new, just because we need to do everything new, and you're not new. So uh, that that happens, I think, in the NFL. But owners don't meddle as much as as um, we might think that they do, and they're certainly not all going to be expert level, um, you know, subject matter experts on football in general. Brass tacks. You need football people to run football. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that that's where. Um, when you're an individual that can afford a football team, there's a level of hubris that comes along with that because you've been highly successful. I mean, and sometimes you think that that success translates to everything and that you're smart and everything. Um, you know, I understand that. Um, so in the Steelers, I think what I'm I'm gleaning from what you're saying is that Colbert is going to be the guy that the Roonies may set the vision. Colbert's going to be the guy that creates the actual plan on how to do that in collaboration with Tomlin. If that's the case and that's what you're saying, I think that's how it should be done. You hire competent people, you give them the overall vision, and they put the mechanisms in place to get it moving and to execute it. So with that being said, what do you think are the priorities outside of quarterback? And we'll talk about quarterback separately. So outside of quarterback, what are the positional groups in a rebuild for this particular th this particular team are the most important? For me, I think it's the offensive line. And the, the reason I would say that uh, above anything else is if you look at the, the post-Super Bowl, 
the 2008-2010 Steelers, the, the the rebuild from that, which was minor because they were fairly young, uh, they had a lot of talent that they had to sign. They were trying to, to keep everything together to, to make multiple runs at it. They didn't work out. But one of the biggest things that held them back in the new CBA, in other words, from 2011 on through, right away was they were directionless when it came to their offensive line. You and I have talked about this a lot over the years. They had no idea of what they wanted in offensive linemen. They didn't know how to pay them. They didn't know how to coach them. And I, I say that because it just it, everything about that situation, your your Jonathan Scott's and, and, and Mike Adams' decisions, things like that, they brought in players who didn't fit with anything that they were trying to do. And they flat out embarrassed themselves. They went through what, two, three offensive line coaches pretty quickly. And yeah. you look around consistently, they don't get rid of coaches at one position that quickly, that often. Uh, it just seemed like there was a disconnect between scouting and personnel, as far as the players that they wanted, the schemes that they were running, all of that ended in my mind in 2014 when they brought in Mike Munchak. Now, I, I'm going to guess, okay, I'm putting on my assumption hat here. I'm going to guess Mike Munchak did not take that job unless he was given certain assurances that he would have say over this or that or the other thing. I say that because I don't know a professional football coach that if they had the ability to ask for that, that they wouldn't. They're not team players, okay? He, Mike Munchak was a head coach who wasn't even fired until uh, he had a disagreement with his ownership a group that wanted to step in and tell him what to do. They wanted him to fire a certain amount of coaches that were on his staff. He wouldn't do it. That's why the Titans fired him. It wasn't a lack of ability. It wasn't a lack of success. He did a pretty good job for the talent that they had in place. Uh, Munchak is a, a proven excellent coach at, at the NFL level and has been for years. He wanted to just be an offensive line coach if he wasn't going to be a head coach. So with that, all right, I'll come into Pittsburgh. This is the money that I want. Th these are the things that I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to teach. These are the kinds of players that I want. I need you to tell me or put in writing that I'm going to have the ability to have say over that. Not every coach gets that, but if they have the ability to ask for it, they're going to. And I think Munchak did that. Now, the Mike Adams thing, I, I'll, I'll say in, in a, a counterpoint to everything that I just said, Mike Adams was the prototypical tackle, athletic, big, good experience, a knucklehead, but maybe you know that, that one didn't work out as well for him as they would have wanted. It took him in the second round, not the first. So not all that great. But you see in that, considering how big the red flag was on Mike Adams, the fact they still took him at all is probably the offensive line coach telling him, I need a tackle. They didn't have any tackles. They were terrible. Do you remember that? That, that team was awful yeah. in protection. 2011, 12, 13, they were terrible in protection. 13, all right, not entirely their fault, but it was David DeCastro's wayward block on Morkey's Pouncey that blew out his knee eight plays into the season. That destroyed the entire line. So Munchak comes in, no more cut blocking. We're keeping guys healthy, and we need to start building talent. We need to start developing guys. From Munchak's time in, in Pittsburgh, they probably had the best offensive line in the NFL. So my point here is not to say bring back Mike Munchak. It's that the Steelers are aware of the value of that offensive line. So much of the success that they had was due to the fact that their offensive line was really good. It was consistent. They kept guys in place. I mean, they, they had a fairly expensive team, but they developed a lot of them too. They, they had top to bottom. They had all pro guys taken in the first round, and they had nobodies playing really well at a Pro Bowl level from undrafted free agency. Calvin Beecham was maybe the best tackle we've seen in 20 years. He was a seventh-round pick. As a guard, they made him into an all-pro tackle. Alejandro Villanueva came from, from Afghanistan to be at least kind of an all-pro level player. He was pretty good. So I, I think the Steelers are going to value that offensive line above anything else. And while they didn't, they, they made a, a good investment in the third round, I think a fairly decent investment in the fourth round this year, those aren't premium guys yet. It wasn't maybe the year to kind of overhaul everything. Next year, I wouldn't be surprised to see them invest fairly heavily uh, in their offensive line again. I think, to me, that's really where it's all going to start. So that's for you. So you 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 so you think the Steelers will agree? Because I think offensive line is important first, and and I think your philosophy and their philosophy will marry. I'm going to give you another position group. I think right now in the National Football Football League pass rush is extremely important. I think we all agree the front seven is extremely important. But I think what we've seen over the last several years and even before that is you can scheme away pass rush. 
Um, pass rush at times can be inconsistent. But the one thing you have to do every almost every single snap, particularly in this league, is you have to cover. And right now, when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have a situation where they don't have a nickel corner. Um, and, and, and that's an issue. And like you said about Cam Sutton, they may not have Cam Sutton too long in the future as well. I think also where you saw a lot of their success when they built that offensive line is they finally got a secondary that was really good under Tomlin. It took years for it to happen. You know, when they had Sutton, they had Nelson, they had uh, Hayden, Fitzpatrick, Edmonds. They finally had a versatile secondary for a few years that was really good and played at a high level and that you could argue was one of the best secondaries in the National Football League. I think the other thing that you have to do in a rebuild is you have to get guys that are versatile and you got to get guys that can cover. You have to get a secondary that can hold up and stand up against some of these dynamic uh, passing offenses in the National Football League. I, I know people will go back and forth in terms of what's more important, front seven, pass, rush, or secondary. But I think right now with all the quick game that you see in the National Football League, passing out a shotgun, guys getting out of their hands, you can just see how pass rush it can be neutralized. So my thing would be, I think one of the big position groups that you have to target and that you have to build is the secondary, and you've got to find guys that can play on the back end. I'd agree with that. It's it's fairly stated. And I'll say this. The, the Steelers couldn't plug every hole in the dam in this draft. They had to get the ones that they could where they were drafting. They weren't able to move. They didn't have as many picks as they probably would have wanted. I'm not going to get into the fifth round thing, whatever happened there. But uh, I don't think cornerback was the right position, considering who was available at where they were picking in any of those picks. But I do think you needed a running back, you needed a tight end, and you needed a center. So the fact that they addressed those, it, it's good. Um this doesn't explain why you cut Steven Nelson or whatever happened there. I get the feeling we're going to hear. I get the feeling we're going to hear about that a lot more in depth. Uh, come closer to the season, but something happened there that makes me believe that it was less about uh, the salary cap space that that Nelson opened up. Um, I would have thought Hayden would have been the, the better bet if you were going to do that. But we'll we'll say this: um, one thing we know. Uh, as, as far as the Steelers go, they were going to have to invest in some long shot kinds of guys. They were going to have to find a way to get some run out of uh, lesser desired players in this draft. And I'll say this, Trey Norwood, I think they're, they're playing him as a safety, but Trey Norwood fits the Steelers defense. I think better than any player they, they took defensively this year or even last year. I think what he's capable of doing schematically creates an interesting situation for them moving forward. Can he develop to be the type of guy that they need him to be? He might be the guy to play alongside Minka in the future, and he's going to be cheap for a while. That's a good thing. Um, obviously, in, in undrafted free agency, you, you took uh, Shakur Brown, a, a player who had a, a pretty good amount of um, collegiate success. He looks like a pretty solid player. Uh, he didn't run as fast, I think, as, as people would have wanted a, a player to, to run if he's going to play cornerback in the NFL. But I don't think he's a bad cornerback either. I think he, technically speaking, he's pretty good. I think he he's a player who, uh, as an undrafted guy, makes the team this year. It wouldn't surprise me if he did. It pushes um, another Michigan State guy, Justin Lane, who's done nothing but nothing since he joined the Steelers except get arrested. Um, and and you know, once again, so, so, so Neil, what do you call those players? Uh, something called Justin Lane. Something called. I'm forgetting the other guy's name. I've been stumbling on it for 10 seconds. Um, I'm not even doing this on purpose. I swear I forgot his name. But that guy, um, I'm, I'm sure it, – it's not to say that he's not a good player he can't develop or anything. It's just that we're putting an awful lot of stock into players that we've never seen before, yet we savage perfectly average players who play all the time. Terrell Edmonds gets beat up by fans on a constant basis, but he's not – Justin Lane, but Justin Lane is the the oh well he could be good guy or you know the, the the undrafted free agent that I'm talking about or the seventh round pick that I'm talking about. We're we're quick to thrust these guys into roles. And yeah, I obviously do it too. But the the good players who are on the team who have shown themselves to to be good players, 
uh, consistently can provide something to the team. They need to, to bolster the depth behind them. And cornerback was the position they really just couldn't afford to do this season. But that doesn't mean they're not going to address it fairly soon. They're still in free agency. There are still veteran corners out there that they could round them out to be a fairly decent uh, uh, depth chart at cornerback. I think they're all right at safety for, for this season. Moving forward, it might be a different story, but they're still able to make a move or two. And I think they're they're going to go bargain shopping and see if there isn't a veteran out there who either could play the slot or provide some decent depth at, at, in, in the dime position or fifth cornerback even. Um, it, they needed to rebuild, though, and they still are. That was one position they couldn't address with a, a, a pretty good to a high-level guy uh, to this point in free agency or in the draft. So let me hit it back to you. So we got offensive line, we got cornerback, secondary, whether it's corners, uh, safeties, whatever. Give me another position group, in your opinion, that you would prioritize and you think the Roonies will prioritize in their rebuild. We're going to say we're going to save quarterback for last because I want to ask you a question specifically about quarterback. What's another position group? You, you took the coverage positions away, but I will add uh, branching off what you said about the edge rushers. And I say that because that position's about to get a lot more expensive for him. And it was kind of rough with, with Dupree making what he made last season, but Watt is going to make twice that probably uh, if, if he signs an extension, they're going to have to tag him for, for roughly the same amount of money. Um, they're going to have to spend at that position and they still probably need some depth. You know, it, Forgive yes, me for do. not forgive me for not being one of the Steelers people around who are psyched up about a sixth round pick coming in and, and being the, the primary backup at two positions. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to need to look at a veteran. Uh, the word is that they at least had a conversation with Ryan Kerrigan, a, a veteran who signed with uh, the Eagles uh, last week or the week before. It wouldn't surprise me if they again they're they're looking for a bargain. They want to pick up a veteran. Keep in mind that the veteran minimum rules say that if they sign a guy. Um, with a bonus threshold under a certain amount, he counts for the amount of like a fifth year player against the salary cap, which in this case would be something like $300,000. So uh, that, that that's a solid deal if they can get it for a proven veteran backup who isn't going to play. That I think that's probably what went south with Kerrigan is the fact that, well, they, they need Hightower to be a high-level guy. And the Steelers don't take their outside linebackers off the field unless they are, unless they're injured. They're playing outside linebacker. So uh, you can count on Watt and, and Hightower for obvious reasons being their primary guys, but you still need a veteran backup there. <clears throat> and you don't know what's going to happen with Watt next season. You don't know. It, it, I'm not trying to rip on, on Steelers fans or Pittsburgh in general, but there's always this sense that players feel as passionately about the area, the history of the team, all of that that they do. If TJ Watt really, really wants to be tough in negotiation, he absolutely could. He's going to have a real tough time having any team say no to him uh, for the amount of money that he is able to command for what he's done to this point. He might be the, the most expensive um, pending free agent that the Steelers have ever had. No, he is. He will be. Absolutely. Yeah, it, 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 let me preface that by saying, even if, if we were to factor in um, – it's not exactly inflation, but Ben's contract in, in 2011 obviously doesn't cost what Watts is going to today. But for a defensive player to have that level of command over a team, are we 100% positive the Steelers are going to go for that? Do they want to sign an outside linebacker for that much money, a team that focuses on it, that drafts it well, that has coached it fairly well, with the exception of a guy or two here and there? They, they found guys that can come in and be pro bowl or all pro level players pretty consistently. Do they want to spend the amount of money that it costs to sign a high-level quarterback today on that position? Juxtapose that against this. They developed Watt. So we're saying O-line, cornerback, and edge. Those are the three groups. They developed Watt, and Watt was a low first-round pick, right? Mm -hmm. So they developed him. So that's there already. Now juxtapose that against the fact that they are rebuilding. If you're rebuilding – does it make sense necessarily to spend that much money on an edge rusher when you don't have the most important position in football, the quarterback? And let's jump to that. And we had a conversation a while ago about the next quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We talked about how 
we didn't think that the next quarterback for the Steelers was on the roster. You threw a name out to me in Gardner Minshew as a guy that could be a stopgap guy for this transition period, this rebuild period for the Steelers. And uh and Neil, you're getting bashed in the live chat. I'm just gonna uh Sorry. Hi, <laughs> man. If, if, it, if it helps, I if it helps, I I check myself in my own head each time I did it. Yes, and hey, you know this is why we do this show. It's on YouTube. We are gonna make mistakes. And Marcus J, big up to Marcus J. I, I posted the RAS uh, score for Brown. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't test well. He didn't test well. He also wasn't drafted. So, frankly, it, it, you're not paying the premium that you do for a high-level athlete. Watch him play, though. The, the kid can play. He, he is functionally faster and more athletic on the field than he tested. And I, I'll admit flat out, he tested poorly. It was bad. I am usually very much a, 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 a test-friendly guy. But you watch his film for the price that they're paying for him. I wouldn't have drafted him in the first round after that. Okay, I, I I definitely see why teams didn't draft him, but I think he's he's a guy that you are you have eyes on to to play. I I think they want him on the team. He's a better athlete than what we saw testing, and that happens. You know, I'm not saying to to, to bank on uh, any player that shows any kind of productivity on the field to be great functional athletes when when clearly they're not. I see a fairly decent athlete, not a great one. Uh, I, I would have said that before he tested. Um, He's he's acceptable. I think he can work in for for a team that doesn't have ultra elite athletes um, it, it, at their cornerback positions. Most often, um, Ike Taylor was blazing fast, but overall, he wasn't a great athlete. He was just built like one. He played functionally well for him. I think that's what they want. Uh, Mike Hilton wasn't a great athlete. He he was a damn good slot cornerback. That's what they need. I think you you see the quickness, the shiftiness of Brown. I, I think that's the kind of player that they're banking on him being. I so get it though. I get so let's, it. So let's get back to the whole quarterback thing, and and and, I, and, and it's kind of percolating about trading TJ. No, I don't think they're going to trade TJ. They've got TJ paid for the fifth year. They're going to play and try to re-sign him and try to figure something out. You're definitely going to get that last year of TJ Watt. I mean, he's the best, you know, arguably the best or second best defensive player in the National Football League. But I, I bet a bundle on him tagging him next year. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I mean, that's the obvious move to do to keep the cost down instead of giving him this astronomical contract. You do that as the bridge to what we're going to do in the future. And you kind of take it year by year if you can, or you slow the process down in, to, in terms of when you have to sign him to that next big deal. But we're talking about this quarterback position. And I think when you rebuild, I mean, essentially, you have to find the quarterback. You talked about it earlier, that gap between Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger where the Steelers had a ton of success, but they never had that next guy to take the franchise to the next level. And when they got Ben, what happened? They won two more Super Bowls. Now they have six. And now they had a two-decade run of success because they had the quarterback guy. And so in this process of trying to identify this next quarterback, you never know how long it could take. It could be next year's draft. It could be 10 years. It could be 15. So there's there's quite possibly odds would suggest you have to find a bridge guy during this rebuild. Let me throw out some names because I thought the idea of a Gardner Minshew as a bridge guy while you're trying to find the next guy, not necessarily if it was him or not, was a great idea and a great concept. I have no faith in Mason Rudolph, none, none whatsoever. So I don't think Mason Rudolph is the guy that could be the bridge guy. So let me throw out some names. And because I use the word bridge, I'm going to start with Teddy Bridgewater. And this is, <laughs> and this is guys who, may, who are free agents in 2022-2023, so not this upcoming season. Fitz Magic. Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, Tyrod Taylor, Mitch Trubisky, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, Sam Darnold, Flacco, Marietta, Bridgewater, and Nick Foles. Of that list, does any name excite you? One, <laughs> and, 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 and two, do you think the Steelers will go this route and try to find a bridge guy? while they're doing this rebuild 
I, I'll say this. I would not be surprised if one of those names is on the team next year. I think that said, you gave Rudolph a, a one-year contract in advance, I think, to, to try to have some continuity going into camp. Both he and uh, Haskins will have a year a year together in the room, probably. We're, we can fairly say that Haskins is going to be on the team this season. Um, they each have a, a, a year under Matt Canada, who knows both of them this time next year. They're going to have a better and a clearer picture of what they want to do at the quarterback position. But can we say in March they will definitely know that one of those two is a starter? I think, and I'll, I'll throw a fourth option into this, if the player is not coming from that list, the player is currently under contract somewhere in the NFL. I don't yes. think it's going – or it's going to be they're taking somebody in the first round. Whether or not that player will be expected to start really kind of depends on who it is. But it would not surprise me if it's round one quarterback of 2022 versus Rudolph versus Haskins. If it's not the draft pick, though, it's going to be somebody off of that list because – Let's be honest. I, I gave up trying to, to determine for myself who the next Fitzpatrick was going to be because it's always Fitzpatrick. And there's like 17 other guys who have the same makeup for that kind of a career. Joe Flacco actually didn't play all that badly last year, to be honest. He wasn't terrible. Um, Jameis Winston can still throw the ball probably better than all, but maybe three or four guys in the league. The guy's got arm talent for days. Uh, a phenomenal player. Teddy Bridgewater is probably the closest thing to Fitzpatrick that we'll see, and his career is shaping up like that. He, he goes on teams where he doesn't even play anymore and gets traded. Um, there are a lot of guys out there that are going to be able to handle themselves in an NFL environment, and the Steelers know that. And those guys, the more of them that there are, the more of a bargain it's going to be to pick them up. So the question, I think, comes down to whether or not they want to give up a fairly significant capital to draft one, which I think is ideal. That's really where they would like to go if they could just get one uh, at the spot they're drafting, and that can be the guy, very similar to, to what happened with Ben. Um, that that would be the, the choice. Otherwise, this is the real monkey wrench to it all, which quarterback next season is upset with his contract, with his uh, upset over the direction of the team, whatever, because we had plenty of them this offseason. Who's it going to be next year? That's the to me, and I'll, I'll say it because of this. The Pittsburgh Steelers starting quarterback job when there's basically no competition there, cap space available, that's going to be pretty attractive to a Russell Wilson type, to a Deshaun Watson type. Oh, They're okay. going to like the idea that Pittsburgh's job's open. All of a sudden now, I want you to draft these four receivers. You're not going to. I don't want to be here anymore. Trade me. It, it's the trend. This is we've seen this in the NFL. It's only just recently that we've seen quarterbacks uh, uh, act on it. And I think the, the the two players I mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised. Both of them are are open next season. Next season is really tough for Watson. But if Watson wants to leave that badly and this want him, they renegotiate the deal. It's going to cost you a boatload of, of picks. Probably in either case, maybe not so much Wilson, but. It's going to cost a lot to do it. Do they want to go that route? I'm not against that, to be honest with you. I, I think getting a, a, a proven commodity, a guy who knows how to play um, and, and can lead the team the second he walks in the building, that's what they need. Because right now they're screwing around with Mason Rudolph and probably Dwayne Haskins or the list of Ryan Fitzpatrick clones that you listed off before. And Devin Snowden said, I like that option. I think the reason yeah, so why I, that I made myself up in Devin's mind now. I think why that's the best option is because it allows you to do two things at once, which is very hard in the National Football League. And what I'm going to describe is probably the hardest thing to do in the National Football League is to win and rebuild at the same time. Yep. That's, that's, that's almost impossible. And that's what the Patriots did with Tom Brady. They, over the course of his 20 years, they were constantly rebuilding, reshuffling that roster, bad drafts after bad draft, but they had the greatest quarterback of all time. And yes, I am saying Brady is the GOAT. I, I Look, it's taken me this long to say it. It's hard <laughs> for me to say, but yes, yeah. I am on record. I mean, the man has seven Super Bowls, went to Tampa Bay, a terrible franchise, 
and gave you and gave the Patriots the FU Super Bowl for the seven. But I disagree with Snowden, with Devin Snowden here. It will allow us to stay relevant. I don't think relevancy has anything to do necessarily with current winning. For some franchises, maybe, but not for the Steelers. When you're a historical franchise and you've accomplished as much as the Steelers, you will always be relevant. And you see that, if you want to see that, you, you see that in TV. You always can see Steeler games. They get their primetime games. You you always will see four or five different Steeler games and some big spots and some big moments. Steelers will always stay relevant for the fact that they are the Steelers and they've had success. Uh, so relevancy um, is, is not something that they're necessarily chasing at all at, at all particular times. But, you know. I think maybe what he means is is competitive, you know, to, yes, to have a chance. Yes. You know, I, I would define it very simply as actively choosing to not go into training camp next year with Mason Rudolph, the assumed starter. That in and of <laughs> itself means you're trying, yeah. you know. But it, it, at the same time, I, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. But in my opinion – relevancy in the sense that other people will feel like the Steelers are trying to do something is beside the point, but it, you know, you know, who's done not to the level, obviously not even close, but has, has been the focal point of a team that's trying to rebuild with a good quarterback and still having success. Russell Wilson. It's probably part yeah. of the reason why he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. So that's he's asking example. to be traded. Chicago decides to, to draft the quarterback. They have to give up capital again to draft another quarterback. I don't know how Ryan Pace still has a job. <laughs> the job security that man has is amazing. But if you're the Steelers next season, you have to think Watts, uh, 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 Wilson's price goes down a little bit. Age, another year. Uh, his cap hit isn't going to be too big. Teams are going to think at some point, if, if this is still going on, if he still wants to be out, they're going to have to cut him if, if something can't be worked out. So our asking price is going to be a little bit lower. I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a move on a player like that. Maybe not Wilson, but I think Wilson's a prime example of the market that is being created inside the NFL right now. And that is largely because quarterbacks have all power for everything we just discussed, for every single reason. You can't rebuild without a quarterback, okay? You are never constantly rebuilding. Whether you're winning or not, you're not rebuilding if you don't have a quarterback. So really, yeah, you're, if, you're if you think about water. it, the quarterback can just say, look, there are six, seven other teams here who would love to have me. If you're not going to Aaron Rodgers syndrome, if you're not going to draft the receiver that I want or whatever Rodgers complaint is today, it, if you're not going to do things the way that I want, it, I don't want to be here. And when you're Aaron Rodgers, when you've been paid $200 million already and you have a, a, a score of possibilities uh, beyond football – it, Drew Brees signed his his TV contract before he even retired from the NFL. They have options. Peyton Manning would be paid more than any media professional in the world if he wanted to go into a booth. They have those options. They're quarterbacks. So when you get up in years, what's the point? If you don't do things my way, why do I want to be here? Tony Romo turned down a lot of money and then became the most popular broadcast, broadcaster in sports. And on top of that, he's like a scratch golfer. He's trying to be a professional at that as well. Does he want to continue to be a quarterback? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe Russell Wilson says, you know what? I don't really need this anymore. I've got kids now. I've got a slamming wife. I'm doing fine. I've been paid plenty. I don't want to deal with, with John Schneider's bullshit anymore. I'd rather go somewhere else, do this the way that I want to do it, or I'll, I'll just retire. I don't need this anymore. It's not costing me anything that I can't pay back easily. I have other options that would help with that. They have much more power. They have leverage over teams. And I think a, 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 an extremely attractive option for them to finish up their career would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's a team that has a need for it. And it's going to have a good defense. So, hey, why not? This this looks good. I can play there. They're going to pay me roughly the same. We have to work out a few things. But, you know, draft picks, whatever. We got guys now. I, you know, shelf life of three years here anyway. I don't really care. Let's do it. So I'm going to ask you to be – Neil Stradamus. And if I look at this list, and I'm going to be Lance Stradamus right now. If I look at this list, and I'm going to ask you to be Neil Stradamus as well. <laughs> if if I, I think we all love the option of possibly getting a very good quarterback from another roster to be on the Steelers roster next year. Not sure. You know, that there's a lot of moving parts there. No one is excited about Mason Rudolph. I think the fan base would be more exci excited if 
Haskins shows something, you get the physical skills of a first-round draft pick on a reclamation project, and he's your next guy for the next couple years. Keeps your salary cap at a manageable spot where you can build a lot of other positions. If I look at this list that I tossed out to you, I like Jacoby Brissett. You know, I, I would like Jacoby Brissett to come in just on a manageable two-year deal. You know, something small on a two-year deal keeps some salary cap flexibility. So if I'm going to be Lance Stradamus, I think that the quarterback is from this list next year. Fitzmagic, Cam, Dalton, Brissett, Tyrod Taylor. Trubisky is terrible, though. Winston Hale, <laughs> uh, Darnold, Flacco, Mariota, Bridgewater, or Foles. Love the Bridgewater guy. I could see that as well. Brissett is a guy that I could see being sort of that bridge guy to the next guy. I think what would excite the fan base the most would be grabbing a veteran from another roster and, and putting that guy, a guy like a Watson, like you described, or somebody like of that ilk to be the next guy, and that just puts Steeler Nation in a frenzy. I think that is the ideal, or ironically enough, a first-round draft pick. I think if you got a first-round draft pick, guy, Steeler Nation explodes as well, and it's like, we're back. I got a feeling we're going to be the first to seven, <laughs> and you start hearing all the songs in the parade. Be Neil Stradamus. I'll be Who's Neil the- Stradamus, and I'll, I'll point out right now, 2022 Russell Wilson, base salary of $19 million, roster bonus of five. That would give him a salary cap number in Pittsburgh of $24 million, only five of it is guaranteed, and that's assume you know the, the trade is there anyway. Guaranteed doesn't really matter at that point. You trade, you weren't going to cut him. So, twenty four million. All right, that is Ben's dead money for this year as it is. That's dirt cheap. Okay, see the Seattle's already paid him a bunch. Um, you might you might need to work out an extension with him the next year, twenty twenty three, twenty two million base, five million roster bonus. So the salary cap number increases all the way up to $27 million, which is nothing for a quarterback at, at, at that point in comparison to the top guys. And you have an, an open um, – you're able to do a ton of things salary cap-wise if those are the two years that are left on his contract. You can very easily work an extension that's not going to be painful to do, not create the, the, the pig and the python thing that they had with Ben all those years where he became upside down. Um, in that his his previous prorated bonuses are worth more than his base salary is. They're able to get Russell Wilson on a very, very cheap deal next season. That might cost you some picks, but that's his, his uh, he's 34 next year. Some people might be turned off by that. That's a very, very attractive trade situation. For me, I can't ignore that. If you can't get it done, um, moving up to get a, a surefire rookie, I think five years with Wilson – uh, playing at probably a very high level, the way that he plays now, that's pretty nice. I, I think that's, to me, that's an investment I think the Steelers would look at because it makes perfect sense. I think that's probably why they're not trading him now. He has a lot more value next season. Um, and a place like Pittsburgh, uh, knowing what it is, knowing the team that will be in place defensively, uh, assuming Watt is there, I, I, you know, something horrible went wrong if Watt's not on the team next year, uh, tag or extension. One way or another, he's going to be there. And they can easily fit him in for what they have. Um, and your option is right now, Rudolph, Haskins, unknown rookie that you probably, knowing where the Steelers are, are drafting 13-14 overall, which is not the spot for right, the surefire right. guy. That's the that's the Mac Jones spot. Do you want Mac Jones for five years or Russell Wilson? Mac Jones. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> want – I'd rather have Russell Wilson over five years than Mac Jones. That's just me. Um, so I'll, I'll so- pay the premium for Wilson. So let's conclude with this last question. And so I love that Neil Stradamus. I think everybody in Steeler Nation will sign up and and raise their hands for uh, Russell Wilson being the Steeler quarterback next year. And the reason why Neil got to the the, uh, $24 or $27 million number is the Steelers are not on the hook for the proration in a trade. So that's where they got the number. And if you're in the live chat, I put the link to – Russell Wilson's cap numbers in the chat, and you can go look those there. Um, one uh, Snowden said, I'd rather have Matt Jones than Mason Rudolph. I think everybody would rather have Matt Jones well, than Mac, Mason Rudolph. Mac Jones went 15 overall. Um, yes. Rudolph went in the third round and got exactly. like 
10 bucks an hour raise. So like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anybody's not making that argument. Well, let me ask you this and let's conclude the show with this last question. How long will this rebuild take? Um, it's going to have to take two years if you want the guys that you have currently in charge around. Um, if it's going to be longer than that, I probably need to start over just for, like I said at the beginning of the segment, um, sometimes it's not about the skill of the guys who are there. It's just the fact that you need to go in a completely different direction. You're not always making the same hamburger all the time. Sometimes you need to change it up. And there are other people that have more experience in making that other product than the people that you currently have. So for me, the fact that they are uh, giving Tomlin and Colbert four-year extensions, I to me, it's a two-year deal. And they should be competitive again to the level that they want to be competitive. Um, they don't sell out entirely to, to, you know, have the chance to win a championship. They feel they're at that point all the time. They did that last year. They spent a bunch of money um, and, and retained Bud Dupree. They, in my opinion, the first guy they ever tagged without the idea of negotiating an extension long-term. Um, you put all that together, <clears throat> to me, it really suggests <clears throat> probably two seasons. Um, they should be more competitive in 22 than they are now. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, it, it depends on who you get. It depends on how they develop. No team wants to, to you know, not be competitive <clears throat> unless they're totally tanking, which the Steelers aren't going to do. So I, I'd say it's two years. Uh, I, I don't know if I disagree because I think you said a, a good point where I think the time frame for the rebuild is tied directly to Colbert and Tomlin. That that, that is the the mark of delineation that 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 or the line of delineation that they're trying to do it and they're trying to do it in that same time frame. I think it's all going to hinge on the quarterback. If they do the move to try to get the quarterback a proven guy like Russell Wilson or say Watson, um, then they're trying to do it rapidly. And, 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 and I don't think I would disagree with that. I don't think, the fan base is patient for it. I'm not patient for it. I don't want like a I, – I can't go through – I don't even know if I'll you know, be on a planet that long. Who knows? I mean, I can't go through like 19, 20 years between Bradshaw and, um, you know, and Big Ben. Or like so six I think, Mason Rudolphs in that time. You, you know, so I, I think what we're saying in terms of the biggest priority in this rebuild, and we knew that it was, and that's why we saved it for last because it's the obvious one. It's the quarterback position. Until you identify that next guy, you're, you're treading water. But before we get out of here, Neil, what do you have coming up uh, um, on the site? What are you spotlighting or is there anything you want uh, listeners to try to find on the wire networks? Um, just, uh, stay active. The off season is a lot of fun. Um, we really enjoy it. We embrace the idea that, um, this is really the creative time of the year. Uh, we don't feel that the mainstream, uh, high level traditional outlets put as much into coverage at this time of the year as we do. And this is the chance we really kind of get to, to dive into things at a, at a much more detailed level, um, than we can when, there's a lot more churn. There's a lot more uh, obvious news stuff that we have to do. We can really extrapolate what's going on and tell better stories that way. So uh, we, we embrace May. That's kind of our motto. Everybody on the live chat, I want to thank you guys for hopping in on the program. We're going to be again off next week for Memorial Day. But, you know, we, 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 we're a fairly new show. So there's some recent so some content up there that's fairly recent that I think you guys should dig in to that will give you kind of a glimpse of the goals and what we're trying to accomplish with this particular show. And it's to be more topical, be a little more creative and more topical to kind of take more of a 32 or 64,000 foot view as we look at the Steelers. During the season, we'll probably be more, you know, more focused on the game somewhat and give our opinions of the games and breakdowns of that nature. But I think I love this time. Um, of the year and Marcus J said it we don't rebuild re-reload and I think that statement I, I'm trying to think that that statement I think that's a Miami the Hurricanes I remember hearing <laughs> that statement all the time um, with the Hurricanes and do like Devin Snowden did if you're listening to the program make sure you go to YouTube do a search for the new standard Lance Williams new standard Neil Kulong find the show like the show subscribe hit the like button do all those things 
we are doing everything we can to get monetized as fast as you can. And you might see my beautiful mug on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, different stuff, as I do these videos to try to promote the show, which are pretty fun because I try to do them in one take and it's like 30 seconds. And so sometimes they come out good. Sometimes they don't. But again, thank you, everybody, for chiming into the show. And we we did a great job today, Neil. We're going to get it to almost exactly an hour, which was fantastic. And I appreciate you, as always, Neil, for hopping on the show. Sorry, we're going to have to conclude the show and you have to go back to your yard work. So yeah. make sure you get She's those honeydews done. She's staring at you now. So I'm going to let you go. And with that, I want to thank everybody for chiming into the show. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.